I welcome you today to a few moments in the Word, where we discover once again the message of the prophet Joel. We look at his message, the meaning behind it, and possibly the timeline. In today's lesson, we discover the depths of sin and what should be done about it. There's hardly a stranger prophet than the prophet Joel when it comes to understanding where he came from and who he is. We really have very little information about Joel's beginning and even where he prophesied and to whom he was directly speaking is somewhat of a best guess estimate. It's generally assumed that Joel the prophet prophesied to the land of Judah and there's very little hints along the way, but I think we can pick up a few of them when we read the book of Joel. One thing that you'll discover right away is that Joel's message is clearly written during a time of national difficulty. In Joel chapter 1, Joel points out the difficulties that are already present in the land of Israel. He tells there that whatever this is that's going on is something that's astounding, and yet there seems to be no one lifting an alarm. No one is really deeply worried about it like they should be. And so Joel's first message that we pointed out was Joel crying out for somebody to lift an alarm and to warn the people and to warn the land of what was coming. Then as you move on, we get a clue of what had been happening. Here in the book of Joel chapter 1, he begins by telling about the natural disasters that took place, and among them is verse 4, that which the palmer worm hath eaten, hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Now that just gives us a brief glimpse that the prophet Joel was writing during a time when there was a national disaster taking place. Not only that, but Joel even points out that during his time that there was possibly a famine, that the cattle were looking for pasture and the fire had devoured all the pastures. As you go through the book of Joel, you'll discover that already God had been speaking to the people through natural disasters. <clears throat> it's sad to me, but much of today's American society and even around the world discounts national tragedies as just simply something that happens. The liberals on one hand apply natural disasters to global warming and try to guilt the people into giving up their freedoms. However, the scripture makes it very clear that when God is trying to get the attention of people, he generally begins by warning them through disasters. Even in our land, in America, and around the world, we have seen an explosion of disasters taking place. 
year after year, it has been increased. And last year, we set a record for the amount of money spent, $306 billion on natural disasters. Now, friends, I can't go through every situation and say, hey, this is clearly God killing us or God trying to get... But I know this, that when God's trying to get a people's attention, he brings things into their lives to cause them discomfort. But when God says that isn't enough, his next step is to bring enemies into the land and to besiege the people. In the book of Joel, this appears to be the next step that Joel is warning about. He warns that God is going to bring upon the land a people that will besiege the land of Judah. He's warning them that this army is going to be fierce. The land is going to tremble. And we find that this actually did happen when we read in the book of Chronicles. Now, one of the things that kind of stands out to me is that in the book of Joel, Joel may give us a brief glimpse of when this could have happened. In Joel chapter 1, it says in verse 13, Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how, ye ministers of the altar, come, lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Now, unfortunately, the priests were not stirred up about this. Only the prophet Jeremiah was the one who was sounding the alarm. But for the most part, people said nothing really to worry about. Things will get back to normal. When in reality, the house of God was suffering. Now, it's very possible that Joel was writing this during the time of the king Ahab. You'll find this given to us in the book of 2 Chronicles where the story is told of Ahaz who was the father of Hezekiah. Ahaz was a very wicked king in the land of Judah. He was 20 years old in 2 Chronicles 28 when he began to reign and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. It tells that he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. If you would read chapter 28 of Second Chronicles, you would see a catalog of the sins and the wickedness of King Ahaz. But if you want the summation of the sin during the time of Ahaz, I encourage you to look at verse eight, verse 18 and verse 19. In fact, I want to back up to verse 16 because that's the beginning of a new paragraph. In verse 16, it says, At that time did Ahaz send, King Ahaz, send unto the kings of Assyria to help him. For again the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the south of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh and Agilon and Gedaroth and Shoko with the villages thereof and Timnah 
with the villages thereof. Gizmo also in the villages thereof, and they dwelt there. Verse 19, for the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. You know, if there's ever a revealing statement about the time during uh, Ahaz's reign about how things were, I want you to notice the words, for he made Judah naked. I find it interesting that in the Hebrew, the word is slightly different. It's translated here as best it can be. But literally in the Hebrew, when looking it up, it says, he loosed all restraints. One writer said that in essence, the meaning of the phrase there is that Ahaz cast off all restraints. And it was this which brought judgment upon the land of Judah. God said, because of your sin, I'm going to visit your land. And because of the wickedness of Ahaz, Ahaz had cast off all restraints. In other words, they became a permissive society. Anything went. The wickedness of a generation or two before was now commonly accepted, and Ahaz became a very wicked man. It evidently progressed all throughout the nation until Judah just became a permissive society. Anything was allowed. The sins of generations before now became commonly accepted practices, and no one was there to stop them. Now thank God for the prophets who stood up and offered their warnings to the people. But during this time, the prophets were persecuted for bringing the message of woe and warning to the land of Judah. Jeremiah was a prophet who, because of his warnings to the people, was denounced. The princes said, you've joined Babylon. You've, you have a sympathizing heart with our enemies. Doesn't that sound like people of today? When you dare to cry out against the sins of America, you're decried as a negativist, as somebody who doesn't love their country. I can assure you, I love my country today. But ladies and gentlemen, I live in a wicked land. America isn't a land of blessedness anymore. It's a land of permissiveness. Abortion is allowed. Blood flows in our streets nearly with the sin of the murder of babies. But that's not all. Friends, even in the church doors, things that a generation or two ago were denounced are now welcomed. There was a day when homosexuality was clearly called out for what it was. They were called perverts. But today, we're supposed to love them and accept them and make them part of what we're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, it still is a sin and it stinks in the nostrils of God. Unfortunately, lives have been turned upside down and morals have been turned away. Our homes are being destroyed every day. Ladies and gentlemen, our society is crumbling. 
And yet, because we have steeples and Bibles, we're being told that we're still a Christian nation. And of all the disgusting things, the church world has opened the door to this flood tide of sin and iniquity. And if anybody dares to cry out against it, they are denounced even by the preachers. You see, when I was a boy, I remember when rock and roll music was not allowed in our homes and the preachers cried out against it. But nowadays, contemporary and rock music is the standard fare of the churches. Preachers years ago warned about its moral destruction. Now, it's part of what we're doing. Not we. I refuse to allow it. Many years ago, even the world saw the dangers of Hollywood and its wicked society being perpetrated on America, but now it's taking place in the churches. Movie nights and dance nights are taking place in churches. Even one pastor in our community says he loves to dance with his daughter to the music of our society. I just can't imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, the fact of the matter is we've cast off all restraints. The restraints of God's word are now being turned aside and the voices of warning as was Jeremiah are being put in a dark pit and told to shut up. We are denounced as dark negativists. We are denounced as false prophets. In fact, during the days of Jeremiah, the people came to Jeremiah and said, Go and inquire of the Lord and tell us what the Lord says, and whatever the Lord says, we will do it. Jeremiah went. He inquired of the Lord, and after ten days, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah of what to communicate to the people. However, when the people went, when the people heard the message, they said, we're not going to listen to this. We're going to continue to live the way that we were. They did go down to Egypt in defiance of God's word, and Jeremiah was denounced because he didn't appeal to what they wanted. I want to point something out in Jeremiah's prophecy. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 44, the refugees that went down to Egypt Jeremiah, after he warned them about doing so, it said, Then the men, in verse 15, which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. 
But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. You see, if my sense is correct, Joel was prophesying to a people just like this who said the end justifies the means. You see, since we've been doing all these things, since the church has opened the door and brought in the world, why, things are better than they've ever been. Our numbers are higher. Our offerings are better. And the fact of the matter is, we're doing better than as ever could be imagined. But friends, casting off the restraints may bring a temporary acceptance, but it will certainly bring the judgments of God. In Second Chronicles, continuing with the story of Ahaz, not only did he cast off all of, his, all of the restraints, but in verse 21, which very well may link to Joel, it said Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king and of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. And then in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahab, Ahaz. And then get this in verse 24. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. People can denounce me for this if they desire. But I think if I were president, I would have told the people, open the house of the doors and go seek the Lord. But you see, we've just accepted that this is a temporary problem that will pass away quickly. Under the reign of Zedekiah, the king came up against the land, and this is very likely what Joel was prophesying when he told about the great army that was coming. The king of Babylon came against the land and besieged the land for two years. I was stunned yesterday to hear that a member of the Federal Reserve said America needs to plan for 18 months shutdown. Friends, we're already going crazy and it's only been about 30 days. Can you imagine 18 months of everything being shut down? And the political leaders have said that our president better not dare to open the country. It kind of feels like we're being besieged. It feels like maybe God has shut the doors, and frankly, I'm not so sure, but what that's a blessing. People need to get on their face before God and seek God, for Joel made it very clear in his prophecy, who knoweth? If the Lord will turn from his anger and have mercy on the people, it was a call to repentance. He says in Joel 2 and verse 12, Turn ye even to me with all your hearts and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful to 
slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. <clears throat> if I know the heart of God today, I believe that God wants to repent of the evil that he's determined. But if a people are like Ahaz and like Zedekiah, the kings of Judah, who wouldn't repent, God has no choice but to bring judgment upon the people. I think that there needs to be a revival and a repentance and a clearing of sin out of the land.